0: Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Burney. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm great. I'm ready to talk about uh, North Texas versus Southern Miss. Uh, 85-61, great game. That, that's the game we're talking about, right? <laughs> that's exactly. That was, that was the big result of the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, big, big game. You know, Southern Miss is a pesky opponent right there. At one, in, one of they? 1-14. You had to take it seriously. <laughs>
0: Well, obviously, uh, the headliner is North Texas beating Louisiana Tech 56-49 last night. But we'll, we'll start and just, I'll, I'll cover the Southern Miss one briefly before we get into La Tech. So, North Texas beats Southern Miss 85-61. to It's the most points UNT scored all season. McCaslin picks up his 100th win at UNT in that game, up to 101 after that La Tech win. Uh, you know, both offenses kind of exploded in the second half. UNT goes for 46, USM for 42, USM's without two starters. Big game from Abu with 21, but nobody really is here to listen to us talk about that game. You're you're here for the Louisiana Tech game if you're listening to this podcast. So that's what we'll talk more about for sure. Um, And UNT finds a way to get it done. 56-49 win over La Tech. 7-0 run over the last 219 to close it out after La Tech had tied it up at 49 with, I think, 345 to go. I mean, the energy in the building was crazy. It was the biggest crowd at the pit since 1980, official attendance-wise, 8,522 fans, the fourth most in the building's history. And, I mean, just a crazy environment there to be in and uh, a crazy game to get to witness there.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to start off with – I mean, if we're starting off with the attendance, I mean, I'm really glad that people showed up um, because, you know, throughout the – I mean, basically basketball – at North Texas in my era of covering it, it started with Tony Benford first year where you had like 200 people show up <laughs> and then uh McCaslin's first year and there was a lot of trepidation a lot of hesitancy to embrace it and then in 2019 you know to and um 20 to win the conference uh conference and then covid happened Uh, still that western kentucky game was huge at the pit and then um you know if you go back the cbi tournament was one of the more raucous environments the championship game against san francisco Mm. um, that was one of the more memorable moments i feel like from a fan perspective just in how the how the pit was kind of packed especially in the lower bowl it was just completely filled uh but you know, it started to pick up a bit, at least a little bit more. Can start in terms of consistency. You can speak to it more than I can, but um, it was good to see everybody just kind of show up and show out. I mean, I have some friends make the trip up there. Colin made the trip over there. He did. Um, a lot of people were were excited to see this team play, and I mean, I, I'm I'm really happy for McCaslin and this team to to be able to embrace that type of environment.
0: Yeah, when you mentioned people making it out, Randy Travis was one of the ones in attendance there, too, down courtside. I heard Jason Witten was out there, too. Um, You know, just yeah. Yeah, I think this is really one of those wins that could really be big for North Texas trying to build that fan base back up. I mean, like you said, that CBI game, I wasn't there for it. But I mean, just watching back looks like a pretty crazy environment reminded me of like. Uh, I'm sure you were there, but the Oklahoma game a couple years back had a pretty, pretty good environment down the stretch there. And then like the law tech and Western Kentucky games that same year felt like they were pretty crazy there. The Western game, obviously to clinch the regular season title. um, That was a big deal. But I mean, this obviously from the official attendance numbers right up there with them, if not, you know, more of an environment and boy, it it, it really, it's one of those things where obviously it has an impact on the game, but like, it was just nice to be in an environment like that covering the game. Like I, I was okay with not being able to hear people next to me at, for stretches when the fans were, you know, going crazy because it was like, I mean, that's really what makes college basketball special. So it, it was nice to be in an environment like that and see North Texas, find a way to get it done in front of a crowd like that, because that that's something that can really help them build. I think a fan base moving forward too to be able to pull off a big win like that. And, uh, you know, I guess it's just unfortunate. They've only got a, the two road games left before heading down to Frisco, but maybe they get a good, good contingent headed down to Frisco since it's, you know,
1: right down the road. Yeah. I mean, that's Frisco being so close has always been an advantage for North Texas to me. I mean, even if you go back to the earliest days of McCaslin, I mean, them playing in Frisco was, was always big. Like uh, I think Mm. it was 2017, 18 when they beat FIU in the first round and then played Western and that Western game was packed. uh, They ended up losing, um, and now obviously last year, right. It was, it was packed even with, uh, the COVID, the pandemic going on, it was still packed. Yeah. And that kind of elevated them to an extent. I mean, that's, that's where fans can really show up again is Frisco, which I think they will maybe not for the first, uh, for the quarterfinal round or the, maybe, I mean, the semifinal and the final round, those are going to be big, uh, um, yeah. Texas. Cause who knows, maybe they see this lottech team again. Uh, but to start on the game, I was – I tweeted this out, but this is an amazing basketball rivalry, man. Oh, it's so good. These teams just go punch for punch, are just tough as nails both ways. Both coaches are great. Uh, Both programs are great. Both deserve all the credit in terms of what they've built. I mean, this this is another example of Louisiana Tech and North Texas just being perfect for each other, like – not yeah. too far away, you know, the ge- geographically, like, similar styles. Um, You have the Kenneth Lofton whole thing where he's good friends with Ruben. Um, you have everything in this. And for Louisiana Tech to continue to come back time after time after North Texas takes a seven-point lead, takes a nine-point lead, and Louisiana Tech kept fighting back, fighting back. And you're just like, all right, can North Texas actually close this out? And, you know, in the end, it took Tyler Perry – making a shot to do so <laughs> but he did it and that's kind of what he does so I, I just want to start from that general perspective of this being an awesome rivalry and these two teams just bringing out the best in each other really
0: yeah well and I want to get into what you were saying about LaTeX always having an answer because I felt the same way and I mean if we want to talk about the crowd a little more like La Tech had a bunch of shots where the crowd was going crazy and they just silenced them Like the huge shots in the game, huge momentum swings. Lofton had one where he knocked down a mid-range jumper that was real big like that. Um, But man, I mean, just went blow for blow until UNT locks it down, down the stretch. As you said, I mean, Tyler Perry, the only shot he hits from the field all game ends up being the biggest one of the game right there when he knocks down that three ends up one of 10 from the field, one of seven from deep, but knocked down all six free throws, which, I'll, I'll get into that a little more later, but the free throws were really a big deal in this game too. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think mentioning Lofton, like the matchup between him and Abu was really fascinating to watch in this one because honestly, like Lofton got his on the offensive end, like you'd expect him to to some extent, but like Abu really went toe to toe with him in this one. And I think there's an argument Abu actually outplayed him in this game, which is just insane to see compared to where Abu was. I mean, even just a season ago, you know, a year ago at this time in the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're no, you're right. I he probably did outplay him to a degree, and it's unfair because the coverages were different for both of them. Like, Loft when Lofton got the ball, uh, North Texas was doubling a lot of times, not every yeah. time, but a lot of times when, all, when he put the ball on the floor, they they doubled. Um, which I well, thought was Abu, great. Abu did get doubled a fair amount early on as well, okay? Yeah, um, which I thought was great. I thought it was great to double team Kenneth Lofton because, um, while he's still a smart player, and he can make plays out the double team. Um, you want to make someone else kind of beat you. And also, he's not the tallest, so whenever you came come at him, a couple times they came at him with, like, an Aaron Scott or mm. someone, and it just brought a lot of length there. And it's tough for him to pass out of it, or at least it's tough for him to make an effective pass out of it, right? If he's just throwing the ball up and top of the key uh, and you can recover, it's not a big deal. So I'll say it. same thing I said last Um Last episode, Abu playing 35 minutes, man, is, is huge. It's absolutely huge. For yeah. for a team that doesn't have a backup center, to have your starting center play 35 or 40, 40, 40 minutes is just absurd. I mean, especially, and they showed on the broadcast, um, I mean, we've talked about it before, just his transformation. Yeah. I mean, you watch the game, and there's literally multiple stretches in a row where he is sprinting down the court on offense or defense, like, a rebound, someone on get the rebound, he'll sprint down the court. He'll sprint back on defense. And you're just like, this is incredible to yeah. maintain this level of energy, to maintain this level of play. Because I'm not even talking about it from a perspective of, oh, he used to be overweight and he used to not be able to move, and now he can do this. I'm just talking from like a center perspective. Because we watch a lot of college basketball. There's not a lot of centers at 6'10", 6'11", at his size that are just sprinting up and down the court for 35 minutes of the game, the conditioning is insane. And so I want to make sure we've done this repeatedly the past few podcasts, but Abu is a revelation for this team. He is a crux of what they want to do. He is incredible. And he, this weekend, like if you put the two games together, obviously like the Southern Miss game doesn't really matter because they blew them out. But like, if you put the two games together, he was the best player on the team. Yeah, by a pretty substantial margin. If you want to say he was the best player in this in the latte game, I wouldn't be mad at it either. Like he was just awesome, and so we have to make sure to to highlight him because this team doesn't is not even close to where they are right now without him on on both sides of the ball. Like he blocked the shot after Tyler hit the three, comes over yeah. and just blocked the shot, and you're like, he's he's everywhere right now, and it's amazing. No, it's it's
0: just insane, and I mean. Like you said playing the big minutes I mean Thomas Bell both of these games ends up with four fouls he has still a key impact in these games but he's limited in minutes and Abu steps up and plays big minutes both games and really comes through when they need him to you know Aaron Scott ends up 15 minutes and he, he you know had his moments in this game where he impacted it a bit but really yeah it, it comes down to Abu just you know stepping up and being that guy and I agree I think I think I would go as far as to say he was probably the best player in both of these games like it, it was insane to see um, another guy I did want to hit on. I just mentioned him, but Thomas bell was really big in this game in the minutes he did play. Like the offensive rebounds were huge. He got to the rim and he was really finishing efficiently too, which is mm-hmm. something we don't always see. Um, even the occasional like back to the basket move, like, you know, he, he really simplified it. It seemed like, and he was just able to get to the rim against these guys, which really helped his efficiency ends up four of seven from the field for 10 points. Um, drez was another one where the threes weren't really falling i mean he ends up two of five the team's five of 19 but drez goes to the rim and gets a couple real tough layups to go that were again you know key moments of the game reuben jones a little bit of a tough shooting night but came through with some big shots when they needed them as well like everybody just stepped up when they needed them and uh man i mean j- just a really big like gritty offensive effort from these guys and the kind of grinded out game that you almost expect from this series at this point. Like, it feels like every time North Texas and La Tech play, like almost the first team to 50 wins it
1: some of these times. I mean, when they played in the conference tournament last year, wasn't it like 49-46 or something like that? Did someone? Yeah, it was something crazy
0: low scoring. I'll check that right now.
1: Yeah, I don't remember if someone hit 50. Um, Real quick, I mean, because not only did Thomas Bell, Thomas Bell's been in foul trouble the last two, I mean, against UAB and La Tech. And they still managed to win those games. Like if you can keep Thomas Bell out of foul trouble, we're talking about a very different North Texas team. Like if he plays 32 minutes instead of 22 minutes, that's huge. because yeah. I thought there were real stretches where, and I don't, I don't think Aaron Scott was bad, but in this type of game, I think you could tell the difference between Thomas Bell and Aaron Scott. Yeah, and that, that's Significantly. to be under- yeah, and I think that's to be understood. Right, he's a senior compared to a freshman, and I still think Aaron Scott's a really good freshman. Like obviously one of the best conferences to say we don't have to talk about that but like if you can get that to where thomas is playing 30 minutes and aaron is only playing 10 minutes in these like critical games then i think we're we're looking at a north Texas team that maybe puts away La Tech at a certain point right i think there yeah might be stretches where north texas maybe wins this game by 12 instead of having to pull away late like um that it's just from a consistency standpoint you want thomas bell to be out there but um to to your point i i thought the 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 all-around consistency the all-around play of this team was was something that i was thoroughly impressed with like even i joked about on twitter jj murray comes out early in the game and he's everywhere he's driving the paint. he hits a three he gets a steal like jj was was awesome he played 34 minutes and he was defensively he was on kobe williams a lot he was on a moore archibald some like he these latte guards are really really solid like we've seen them year after year after year like it's an old team um and jj murray i mean I, w- along with Ruben jones and along with Drez, i thought did a really good job on, on their guards uh yesterday
0: yeah well and coming into the game that was kind of the bigger key for me wasn't so much how much they could stop Lofton, because it feels like Lofton's going to get his on offense to some extent it's like you can limit him a little bit but he's going to get his a bit To me, it was more so how they could defend the guards. And I agree with you. I thought all three of those guys really did a tremendous job. Tyler did a good enough job in the minutes he was in there, too, finding ways to compensate on defense when the shots weren't falling. Um, When you mentioned the defense, I mean, Drez comes away with three steals. Uh, JJ comes away with three steals. Tyler gets two. Uh, Aaron Scott gets the one. You know, forcing some of those turnovers felt like a pretty big uh, key in the game, too. They forced 14 tech turnovers, score 11 points off of those. and I wanted to get back. You uh, mentioned that last uh, last year's USA tournament game. North Texas won that fifty four to forty eight.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that game being so so tough. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that that was very very difficult. And to, to kind of, I, I we have. I mean, you have to when you talk about the Louisiana Tech team, it's a really good team. Um obviously Isaiah Crawford being out for the year sucks. Like that yes. just really sucks because last year that was the biggest key for Louisiana Tech when they beat North Texas at home. Um, I think they, they split at home before um in the regular season and then the conference tournament they North Texas won. So two and one last year with um, Isaiah Crawford on the team. But Isaiah Crawford was that guy that could match Thomas Bell. A lot of the time, like there were times where on both ends, like he could score on him and he could stop him. Yeah. Um. This year, without him, they don't really have a guy to stop Thomas Bell. Like, Xavier Christensen. Like I, I there, You go down the list of guys. I don't really. That's the difference this year in Louisiana Tech, and it's unfortunate because it's not a graduation; it's an injury. So you wish Isaiah was out there, but that's the difference. Is I think if Thomas Bell plays. 30 minutes, 30 plus minutes against Louisiana Tech, he's able to really establish himself on offense. And um, that's that's a big key Just if, if we have to cover this matchup in the tournament.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, I did want to get back because I mentioned the free throws earlier. I wanted to highlight the numbers, though, because it's really crazy. Like North Texas comes into this game, I believe, shooting like 60% on free throws for the year. Yeah, here, I've got the number here. Coming into it, they were numbered 323 out of 350 Division One teams at 66.4% from the foul line. This game, they find a way to knock them down, man. 19 of 23, 82.6%. Aaron Scott had a couple of big missed free throws that didn't end up looming as large. But, like, mm-hmm. by and large, these guys hit them when they needed to. And that was, to McCaslin's credit, I'll give him this because I, I had been asking him about how concerned he was with the free throws previous days here. And to his credit, he said he felt like the guys would knock them down when they needed to. They found a way to knock them down when they needed to in this game because they end up, you know, plus nine points at the free throw line. And I mean, in a seven point game like this, any amount of points you can earn uh, over the top there is huge.
1: Yeah, that it, it would be a very it would have been a very different game if they had shot like 15 to 23 from the free throw line. It would have been a very, very different game. And. And like you said, this is these are the games where they have to make free throws. And I believe in Ruben and Tyler and probably JJ. Thomas is gonna be inconsistent. He went two of three, which is great. Like if he can go 67% plus, um, I think that'd be that's good. Like a but you know, a boo going five of six is probably the biggest thing. Like that. Yeah, well, and, like, over these
0: two games, he goes 5 of 6 in that one, and, I mean, in the Southern Miss game, he was 7 of 10 from the line, and really he was 7 of 8 before a couple of late misses, like, He's finding a way to knock I mean, down. You can't free take
1: throws. a few misses off here. I know, <laughs> I know,
0: but I'm just saying, like before that, and they're up like 30 at that point. But, so, like,
1: but yeah, but it's garbage. I understand like the garbage time thing, but it's not like the the free throws change in garbage time. Sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, my, my point is like Abu
0: coming in at like 50 percent for the year. He's finding a way to really knock them down here too. Yeah, no
1: that that will be huge, huge if if they can make free throws. Like that might. You know, that might be the difference down the stretch, so we'll we'll have to see. Um, Again, I want to highlight this defense because you know, we we talk about the offense a lot because it's easier to quantify. The defense to hold Louisiana Tech to 49 points, like, this is a top 90 defense in the country according to Ken Palm. Like, this is an offense that gave I watched, you know, give LSU a little bit of trouble in in the first half of the season. Uh, They're a team that Went, scored 76 on UAB, like this is an offense that is very potent when they get rolling, like their top 70 in effective field goal percentage. Uh, they don't usually turn the ball over that much. 50, 53rd and turnover percentage. Like this is a really solid offense. And for this defense to do what it did, I want to make sure we highlight it because that's not, again, it's not normal. It's not normal to hold Louisiana tech to 49 points. Like, it's not normal to hold UAB to 57 to hold FAU FI, FAU to 51 to hold Rice to 44 like yeah. these are completely incredible like just insane performances right now Ken Palmason at number the number 19 offense or defense I'm sorry defense in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency like that's it's it's another spectacular defensive effort and I thought that like you mentioned the difference on Saturday was the turnovers, the steals, they forced nine steals and it was a product of them being a little bit. I felt they were being a little bit more aggressive in those passing lanes than usual. Like they've always been kind of pressure, the ball type stuff, but there are certain games where they go for the steals. And this felt like one of those games. Um, And it worked and manufactured points and manufactured opportunities on offense. And, That was kind of the difference. So I want to give credit to guys like Ruben. Um, We already talked about JJ, but Abu. um, I thought Aaron was fine defensively when he played. I even thought Tyler, um, which I don't think Tyler gets enough credit for, Tyler's ability to stay in front of people is huge. If you watch the last Abu block, Tyler actually moves his feet perfectly and is like right in front of him and forces the awkward shot and, and Abu comes and blocks it like Tyler stays in front of guys really, really, really well. So I uh, just want to give credit to the entire team and the entire coaching staff because it's another masterful defensive performance from North Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Credit to Grant McCaslin, credit to Ross Hodge, credit to Matt Broward, Dream Dowling, all of those guys. I mean, Ross Hodge has been one of the masterminds there, but all of those guys have a hand in it. So big credit to those guys. And I know we've done it before on here, but, I just want to highlight again like the history north texas is making this season because it's really crazy and we had the discussion last week about whether you know this was the best team in program history i think now they've got an even stronger argument because the 15 conference wins is the most this program has ever had in conference had 14 a couple seasons ago when they got that regular season title before the tournament was canceled but you know now they're up to 22 and 4 on the season 15 and 1 in conference the 14-game win streak ties the longest win streak in program history, too. I mean, just insane what they're doing right now. Absurd.
1: Yeah, uh, we like you said we talked about it last podcast, but we were we weren't really sure how you know if they would beat Louisiana Tech, and then yeah, UTSA, and then UTEP as your last two games. UTEP is playing really good basketball at this point. They lost, yeah, right? they lost the UAB by three. yeah, they lost a close one to UAB. Yeah, I mean they're giving a lot of teams fits right now. So we'll see how that game plays out and if they lose it it's not the end of the world, but it would put a damper on the at large stuff. And I realized last podcast just for this listening, I kept saying automatic bid when I meant at large bid. Ah uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but I when I, when I listened back I'm like, why am I saying it, automatic bid? I mean at large bid. Uh so I'm sorry about that. But regardless, yeah, no, it's again, it's the best team ever in North Tech's history at this point, like just what they're doing, the consistency see they're doing it with, um, it's it's incredible. I don't know, like when we do like the end of the year type stuff, I think it maybe it'll fully hit me just how impressive this team is. But there's there's nothing else you can say about them. It's a top forty team in the country by all metrics, and. Out of 351 teams, like there were years in the past where they were, and I tweeted that stat out where they're like, since Ken Palm's been a thing in 2002, like from 2002 to 2019, they were never above 130. Mm. In the past three years, they've been, you know, in the 70s, 70s, and now the 40s, like 30s, 40s. <laughs> to say it's unprecedented is an understatement. Like, yeah, you go back to even those Johnny Jones teams, and it, they were like in the mid 130s, 140s, 150s, which is really good for a Sunbelt team. Like the Sun Belt Conference, if you look at the Sunbelt now, it's like, you know, um, you got uh well, I'm looking at the past years, but like Texas State now, I think it's like 140, 150, somewhere around there. Um, so that's six that's a that's great success in its own right, considering you know the conference you're in and the quality of teams that you have, but like this is a different caliber like this is completely different so yeah great team very excited for it um if we're doing like an at-large tracker which i don't yeah know. I, i've definitely got some stuff on that if you oh, want okay no I'll, I'll let you go then because to me so- i don't know how much it's changed but yeah what do you got yeah,
0: I think just the more I look at the numbers, the more skeptical I am. To be honest with you, and that that's going to sound a little harsh with all the positivity around North Texas right now. But you look at it. You mentioned Ken Palm. They're up to they're at forty in Ken Palm right now, um, in the net dropped down one to thirty eight today. But like, if you look at the resume, North Texas has only the one quad one win right now over UAB on the road. Uh, so UAB is at fifty three. They need to stay in the top seventy five for that to stay Q one for North Texas. But like most of the teams around North Texas area have more than one quad one win. Like Marie state has only one. And then Iowa's got only one that are a couple of teams above them in the net that only have the one quad one win. But like, yeah,
1: I, yeah, those teams, well, not to get off to tangent. Those two teams, I think are like at a, like a six, seven seed range. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Like if you look at like 11 seed, I was, I was looking at projections the other day. I don't remember who the other 11 seeds were, but it's like a, I'll pull, I'll pull it up. But continue. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. So then but there is the potential for North Texas to get another one of those back because Wichita State's at 76 right now. And they'd need to move into the top 75 net wise for that to be a quad one win because UNT beat Wichita State on the road. So UNT needs to be big Wichita State fans down the stretch here to get that other quad one win on the resume because like Drake's at 90 right now and they would have to be top 50 for that to be a Q1. Buffalo's at 112 so that's going to stay a quad three loss no matter what that's really the one bad loss on the resume at this point um and then like if you look down the stretch like UTEP's going to be a quad three game you really don't want to pick up one of those losses and then UTSA is going to be quad four which you really really can't pick up one of those losses if you want an at-large chance yeah. so like North Texas as we said before they're going to have to win out the regular season they got to win these last two more than likely for an at-large and then you can't take a bad law a team a loss to a bad team in the conference tournament either. So, you probably need I mean on a neutral site like even UAB would probably be a quad two loss on neutral at this yeah. point unless they move up with a few wins here down the stretch. So, there's just not a lot of ways for North Texas resume to get better down the stretch, and there's a lot of ways for it to get worse, which is what makes me concerned about a potential at large bid and you kind of expect what we said earlier in the year, which is like they probably need to win the tournament regardless.
1: Yes, I, I I think if they win, you know, like we said, they have to at the very least win every game up to the conference championship game. And in the conference championship game, you have to hope it's UAB. Yeah, specifically. that's like, the only team. It can't be FAU. It can't be whoever. Put it fill in the blank here of even like a middle. Is middle even high in the net? Where's middle? Not not particularly. Middle's I mean, I'll, 90, I'll pull him up. Middle middle's 98th at this point. Yeah, so that would be you know quad probably quad a quad two loss. Yeah, it's just barely quad two on a neutral floor. Yeah, so um, that would hurt as well probably. So maybe like a Middle Tennessee or UAB would be the only ones you could lose to in the conference championship game to where you're surviving because in order to get there, if they have if they beat La Tech in the semis, that would be a solid win um, on a neutral, but. Still, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, you don't have the wins that these other teams have. And if you look at – I'm just looking at bracketology just on it while while I'm there. Like North Carolina is one on the bubble, and they have Syracuse and Duke as their next two games. Like if they beat Duke at home, like then they're probably a lock for the tournament. Like you're looking at these other bubble teams, and then that's not even mentioning all these projections – I want to make sure this is clear. I'll, all these projections are based upon the the best team winning the conference tournament.
0: Yeah. So, like, the only reason North Texas is at an eleven is assuming they win the conference. Yes.
1: But then also, if you look at a team like that could already be in the tournament with or without a um, automatic qualifier. Like, let's go down to. Mm, let's let's say like let's say Houston and SMU are in in the AAC. Let's just say yeah. that they're in, regardless of of the tournament. If Wichita State comes out and wins that tournament, there's three teams from the AAC and not two, and then there's one of the bubble spots gone. Yeah, like there's just there's and that works for a bunch of conferences. That could work um, for. Yeah, if some like middling team in the ACC
0: goes out and wins the tournament that wasn't going to make it otherwise, I mean that's exactly. another mid-stealer. So
1: anytime a tournament team, a team was, wins the tournament that was not supposed to win it, like a, uh, I think Davidson's an eleven right now at, with an automatic qualifier. Like I don't know if they'd make it regardless, but that's an example. So there's just examples here. There's a lot that could go wrong to your point for North yeah.
0: Texas here moving forward, and not much that can go right.
1: Yeah, it it, it would have it has to go perfectly for North Texas. I think it'd be much easier if they just win the conference tournament, (laughs) which is still going to be extremely difficult. Obviously, as we know, it's a tournament setting where anything in the world can happen. And you're in a very, very good conference that you're going to have to most likely beat. um, If we just go past the first round uh, or the quarterfinal round where you're going to have to beat Louisiana tech or Western most likely in the, in the semis um, unless FAU passed. No, because, well, I don't know what the East standing looks like right now. Regardless, let's say La Tech in the semis, and then potentially UAB or middle in the in the championship. Like, it's not gonna be easy. So um, it is it's it is looking a little bit more challenging than maybe we had hoped because I think I thought with these wins the net would continue to go up. Yeah. And it actually dropped the spot with these two wins to 80 to 38. And that's because. Teams like Seton Hall jumped up from 38 to 32. And why did that happen? Because they just got a big win over Xavier and they blew out Xavier. So it's like these teams are playing quad one, quad two, like tough, tough games here. And that Xavier game was on the road. So I'm sure that's a quad one win. Yeah. Those are the type of games that North Texas is not going to be getting here. And that's the challenge when we talk about getting an at-large bid is – it's not just about what it looks like at its peak. You have to be able to sustain it, and that's very, very difficult to do at Conference USA when you're playing Southern Miss and then UTSA. Like, the UTSA game, they're probably going to drop regardless. Yeah, if they don't beat UTSA by, like, 50, they're going to (laughs) drop. Right? (laughs) And that should be, like, the motto at this point. you got to beat UTSA by 50 because, if not, North Carolina is going to go over here and beat Syracuse, and they're going to jump you. And, like, other teams are just going to continue to jump you in the net. And so that's what makes it very very difficult at this point. So maybe I was I was misled in the net thinking that wins alone would raise them. They're going to have to blow out UTSA. They're going to have to beat UTep by probably like 15 to 20. And they're capable of it. Like all this stuff we're talking about, North Texas is capable of of blowing out these teams, of winning the conference tournament and not even having this discussion. But we also realize how difficult it is to ask them to continue to play at this level and not have a single slip up like yeah like like to go
0: 17 and one in conference usa like we just talked about north texas has never even been to 15 wins before this year to ask them to go 17 and one with the history like of losing some of these games down the stretch like when they went 14 and 4 a couple years back like weren't they at like 14 and 2 and then lost to charlotte like there's precedent here for north texas not being able to necessarily get those wins when they don't maybe need them for tournament seating. And I know these guys are, you know, everybody's going to say they're still hungry, but it's really difficult, especially against the team like UTEP, who's like a good team to play. But as far as the net goes, that's a bad loss, even though they're a good team conference USA wise. And that really goes for everybody in conference USA at this point, aside from UAB, like there's a lot of really good teams that aren't a good loss looking at the NCAA tournament.
1: I mean, yeah, and then because you you mentioned it, not only go seventeen and one, but then win three straight games to win the the conference. Like, yeah, it, so twenty and one. We're asking them to go twenty and one, basically. Oh, and the the one loss came to UAB, like in the what second game of the of conference season. So, yeah, it's asking a lot. But if you look at the teams to stick on the net for a second, you look at the teams below North Texas, and it's North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Indiana, Memphis, SMU, Notre Dame, Oklahoma and tcu like i know smu plays houston this week and if they beat houston they're probably a lot if they beat
0: houston they're in i would think um,
1: so i think a lot of north texas fans no shocker here should be rooting against smu in their in their (laughs) their upcoming games like in the tournament because smu is firmly on that bubble team they're like last one in last one out you gotta get them out um when you got to be rooting for Wichita state to
0: make a run in that tournament yeah. as well, to get yeah. them firmly into quad one status all, all
1: of the teams, North Texas lost to, or yeah, all the teams they lost to, you got to hope North, they just, they keep, they win. You have to hope UAB wins. Uh, who else they lose to? Um, uh, Buffalo. Mar-2. You
0: probably want to win. I mean, Buffalo's a long shot to move up to a Q2 at this point, but I mean, if they do something crazy, maybe.
1: Yeah. So all these teams, you need to hope that they continue to, to win and play. Well, Miami's played pretty well this year in the, AAC. they have, they're up to number 60 in the net. Yeah. So we'll see, maybe they can keep it going, but
0: yeah. Well, but, and I mean, if Miami does keep winning, they could move up to make that a Q one loss, which I mean, just makes the resume look a little better.
1: Yeah, that's so we'll, we'll see. Um, I, do you have any, what else do you got? Anything else? I on think
0: there? that's pretty much all I had. I mean, the main thing I just wanted to hit on was, yeah, it's going to be really tough for North Texas to get that at large. I think they, like, they're like they capable, as we've said. It's just a really tough road.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So just don't lose. Just don't lose. There's the solution. <laughs> Never <laughs> lose. Beat
0: everybody. Oh, man. So. Yeah, and, well, and I guess I will touch on, because you mentioned it, I'll touch on the CUSA standings now real quick because – I mean UAB is, you know, in second, a game up on La Tech in the West at 12 and 4. La Tech's eleven and five. UTEP's down there nine and seven, still with stuff to play for here late, because UAB and La Tech play that last uh, game of the conference slate. So if La Tech loses that, UTEP's got a real chance to move up to that third seed in the West. Um, and then on the east side, middle Tennessee's got the East locked up, obviously, at 13 and three. But Western and FAU are at nine and seven, Charlotte's at eight and eight. So The East can still really shake up quite a bit on that side, too, before the tournament.
1: How many losses does UTEP
0: have? Uh, UTEP is 9-7. and So they'd have to win out and then um, hope for a LaTex loss, probably, because I think they don't have the head-to-head.
1: Oh, yeah. Because LaTex has five or six? uh, Yeah, LaTex got got five losses. They're 11 Oh, LaTex did lose to... They split with UTEP in the season series. But UTEP would have to beat North Texas in that stretch and i'm not oh, right that. i'm not entertaining <laughs> that right now not entertaining that at this moment yeah um, so utep's probably locked into fourth yeah I was like in my head i'm like damn it can utep get a get the two uh or get the three west out of that that'd be big so that way north texas wouldn't have to play latex just stick everybody in the other side of the bracket over there to beat each other um well, and Another if you point. want to look at winning the tournament, I guess North Texas, you know,
0: maybe North Texas needs to throw that UTEP game. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Is that what we need to advocate for on this podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, like, if if that if losing that UTEP game meant UTEP got the three West instead of La Tech, then you'd have to have a serious conversation about, is that better than... Is than that your, a like, in, minor chance at an at-large? Yeah, like, does that increase your turn your chance of winning the tournament significantly enough to where you are considering it? It might, like, it actually might. Like, you don't have to play. Think about it. How? So they would play in the first round. They play what the four from the four from the East, I believe it is. So let's say they play Charlotte or Old Dominion. That's pretty comfortable. I feel pretty good about North Texas in that game. All right, so they, they get through that. Then they play, again, the winner of the two East and the three West, which at this moment, it's either Western or FAU against La Tech. That's going to be tough pretty much regardless of outcome. So I don't know. I don't know if UTEP beats Western or FAU right now. Western's kind of rolling, kind of scared of Western, but yeah. FAU is also good. Like, those two teams are, are really solid. Um. So no, I'm going to say no, I'm going to say no, no, don't throw, don't throw the game against UTEP. Like I know we're joking, <laughs> but I actually had to talk it through for a second because I'm like, sure. sure. Is, that, is that actually like a possibility? It, it was never well, And a then The
0: crazy thing too is like that UAB latech game tips off the same time as UNT UTEP does in like central time wise. So like they wouldn't even know for sure whether they needed to, you know what I mean? Because you know, LaTeX just... goes and wins and it doesn't matter.
1: Just Grant McCaslin refreshing his phone every time. <laughs> Just
0: like he's got the stats up. Yeah, like, oh. imagine they've got like two free throws at the end. Tyler Perry shooting free throws. And it's like if Tyler Perry misses him, North Texas loses. And McCaslin sees a score refreshing. and it's like final UAB wins. And he's like, all right, Tyler, you got to miss. Yeah. <laughs> no,
1: no, UTEP would have to win. Oh, yeah. No, because then like oh, La- UTEP oh, yeah. needs UAB to beat LaTeX. That's what it was. Okay, yes. Yeah. Good. We're all on the same page. This is all jumbling together in my mind at this point. But yes, imagining, imagining that is <laughs> Ross just yelling at him. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm I'm good. I'm good on the podcast. I don't have oh, anything man. else. To listen yeah, to- now that we've gone fully insane to end this podcast and
0: advocated for North Texas to lose only to decide they actually shouldn't lose. <laughs> uh, I think we're all finished up here. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh man yeah thanks everybody for listening to us go insane here at the end you know follow us on soundcloud so you can hear more of this insanity leave us a five-star rating on apple podcasts if you enjoy the insanity you know follow us on twitter at mean green 24 7 follow matthew at matthew bernie underscore follow me at john field zero and we'll catch you guys in the next one